This is our third installment in our series on First Timothy. I'm sorry, Second Timothy one seven. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we're going to be talking about you today and the sort of spirit that you have, whether you know it or not. By the end of today, you'll know it, or at least part of it. Um, so we dealt with the fear part. We want to get to the good part now. Uh, we're on to the power. God has given you a spirit of power. You believe that? I'm going to see if I can't convince you before we get done. All right, so you can follow along if you want the notes or just listen uh, or, you know, do pretty much anything else. I want to review, want to remind you with a couple things that I, I want to keep building on um, that, in, uh, that we saw in the beginning of this, that this is in the context of Timothy's calling, and Paul made it very clear that all believers, all believers, all believers have a holy calling. There are no secular jobs, right? If you're a believer, what you do is holy. And we all have a holy calling, and one's not better than another. They're just different. And they all pay the same in heaven. We get paid for doing what we're supposed to do, what God has given us, not for doing more than the other guy. Amen? And so everyone has a holy calling. And with that, as we're going to see, come some gifts. Uh, we, as we just said, 2 Timothy 1.7, we've received a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And again, by way of review, I want to remind you that we need all three of those working together. Some churches, some individuals will emphasize one to the exclusion of others or will even kind of specifically exclude one of these three or just sort of put it on the back burner. And uh, it's like a three-legged stool to stand, to function to really display the kingdom of God, we need all three working in our lives. Spirit of power, spirit of love, and spirit of a sound mind. Amen? And we talked about this before. Uh, there are good examples of where we've imbalanced on these. And, uh, and none of us like that, right? So we're going to learn to be balanced and do them all. Balance doesn't mean uh, we go to the least common denominator. Balance means we do them all three to the highest degree we can. Amen? Now, what you may or may not know is that Paul devotes a whole chapter to each one of these things. In 1 Corinthians 12, you guys remember what that's about? Power gifts, spirit of power. 1 Corinthians 13, everybody knows what that's about. Love. 1 Corinthians 14, doing things decently in order, sound mind. And what's interesting is, uh, if you look at the verses at the end or the beginning of those chapters, those chapters actually kind of get connected together. So they're a package. And so Paul uh, told Timothy, you've been given a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then he told the Corinthian church, because apparently they needed more. Timothy had already been trained, you know. Uh, the Corinthian church, he gave them a whole chapter on each one. So that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We're going to look at each of those chapters and uh, what does it look like to have a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind? So this morning, spirit of power, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which talks about gifts of power by the Holy Spirit. Now, be aware there are a couple of parallel chapters uh, that also talk about gifts of power, uh, Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. And so I'll be jumping into those also. But mostly, 
We're looking at 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll, I'll be skipping around. I'm not going to read all of it to you. Uh, we're going to start with verse 7, where Paul says, but the manifestation of the Spirit, now let's just stop. Everybody know what the word manifest means? Does it mean theoretical? No. It means you can see it. You can tell it's there. All right? So the manifestation of the Spirit means there's some visible evidence that the Spirit's there. And so when he's talking about the manifestation of the Spirit in us, he's talking about actual evidence that the Spirit of God is in us, not just a Christian doctrine that the Spirit of God is in us. Everybody got that? So the manifestation of the Spirit was given to each one for the profit of all. Now, simple truth here, but profound. It doesn't say that the Spirit was given to each one. Just believe that whether you can tell or not. It says the manifestation of the Spirit was given to each one. Every believer manifests the Holy Spirit of God. Every believer demonstrates the kingdom of God because the Spirit of God lives in them. Every believer. No one is accepted. There is no place for someone to be a Christian who doesn't demonstrate the Spirit of God according to the Bible, not according to Tony or whatever, you know, uh, doctrinal background anyone has. According to Paul, every believer manifests the Holy Spirit. All believers manifest His Spirit. All believers have a holy calling. All believers manifest His Holy Spirit. you got to get this. Again, it's a simple truth, but I, I dare say it's a truth that not every believer has believed, right? And so, all believers manifest His Spirit. Again, just so you see it in Ephesians 4 also, verse 7, but to each one of us, Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So God says, I save you, I put my spirit in you, and I give you, each of you, every single one of you, gifting to manifest my spirit in the earth. All right? Now I know, stay with me, some of you are going, yeah, been doing it. Some of you are going, yeah, I don't know, I'm not seeing it. It's okay. Uh, let's get through the word part and we can get to the seeing it part. All right. So what I want to start with, though, is you just believing what the word says, that all believers manifest his spirit or we're supposed to. And then the second thing it says there is that it's for the profit of all. The purpose of the gifts of God's spirit are to build up his body. The purpose of the gifts of God's spirit are to build up his body. In other words, most of the gifts that God has given you are in someone else for you. Does that make sense? When you come to church, there are gifts that God has given you, but they're not in you. They're in other people around you, and they're going to be a blessing to you. That's kind of why God puts us in family, puts us in church, so that we can build one another up. They are for the profit of all. Your gift in you uh, isn't really for you. It's for the people around you. So you can build them up, right? Just the way God rolls. So the purpose of his gifts are to build up his body. And he spends about half of chapter 12. It's very familiar, so I'm not going to read it to you. He spends about half of chapter 12 talking about this, how we are one body in many parts. And how all the parts are important. And you, can't, you don't just cut a part of your body off and say, I don't need that part because I like this part better. 
We use all the parts, right? And they're equally important. And the whole body is edified. And so you can read that. It's uh, verses 12 through 17, uh, 27. I know you've read it before. I'm not going to get into that. But I just want you to see it. And it's even in Ephesians 4, it's even more clear. Let me read this to you. And I really want you to get uh, the emphasis here. Again, couldn't be clearer. Uh, we have to believe it. He says, from whom the whole body, that's the whole body of Christ, that's all of us, and everyone in Brevard County, or we'll just do Brevard County because other people are far away. Uh, you know, but anybody in the earth who believes in Jesus is part of his body. So the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Are we joined and knit together? Hmm. Wow, that was a really interesting response. It's like you're evaluating. I don't know, aren't we? Kind of looking around. I don't even know who that is. Am I joined? Right? It's what the Bible says. Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Me exercising my gifting is what knits me to you. It's what joins me to you. Right? Me supplying something to the body according to the effective working in, by which every part does its share. Everybody, now don't raise your hands. Everybody's doing your share, right? Y'all doing your share? Did you come this morning going, I got to go to church. I got to do my share. They need my gift there because there's people that I'm a gift to. I am God's gift to these people. Literally. Amen? Somebody's going to be sitting next to me. He's going to need my gift. I got to go. I got to be, I got to do my share. And what happens then causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. God grows his body through gifts in the body, one another. It's a very simple picture, isn't it? But it's easy for us to miss, to not get this. And so it's important that we get, uh, that we have been given power gifts. Now, um, in case you, now probably a lot of you know some of your gifts, in case you don't, we'll help you try and figure that out. Uh, but you need to know that you don't get to just pick, uh, well, that one looks fun, I'm going to go do that one. I mean, you can try, I've done that. I've tried to do other gifts in my uh, perhaps less than mature response to God, and uh, it didn't always go well. Uh, I tried to preach one time because Rachel thought, uh, told me that this word would be better if I, if I preached it, and uh, I thought I was preaching, and uh, she goes, she goes, really? That's what, that's, you, were you? <laughs> I said, uh, okay, I won't try that again. The teach just came out. There was no, there was no preach. I thought I had it turned up inside, but it was the same volume. <laughs> Point is this, 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So you need to know that everybody's got gifts, everybody's got a calling, but the Holy Spirit decides what they are and why. Now this makes sense that His Spirit decides our gifting because we already learned in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, remember, that we are His workmanship. That means design, not, you know, stamp. Here's another one stamp. Here's another one. It means we're individually designed by him. We're his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand for us to walk in them, doesn't it make sense that the Holy Spirit would need to give us the appropriate gifts to go with the appropriate design to go with the already planned good works that he has for us, right? So this is just kind of a no-brainer. His spirit decides which gifts we get. But here's where I want to dig in a little, uh, because there are lists. Are you guys familiar? There are lists of gifts. Uh, one of them's in, actually two of them are in this chapter. There are two lists just in chapter 12. There's another list in Romans 12, again, uh, and another list in Ephesians 4 of spiritual gifts. Here's what I want you to see is I'm not even going to read the lists because I don't want you to get hung up on the lists. Now, I, I like, we do spiritual gift tests, and that's good, and that's helpful, and I like those. But the problem with those is if you think that the lists are exhaustive, then they're very limiting. And the lists are not exhaustive. They're just samples. They're just samples. So, in verses 4 through 6, Paul says not just there are different gifts. He says there are diversities of gifts. There are diversities of ministries. There are diversities of activities. If we include Romans 12, right before it starts talking about the list of gifts, it says there are different functions. There's four different things right there. Different gifts, ministries, activities, functions. It's exceedingly broad. And this is what I want you to see. There's a wide range of the gifting that God may have given you. And so you're not just going to take a gift test and go, well, there's my gift. I guess I'll start doing it. You have to interact with God and pay a little bit of attention and find out what's going on with your gift. It's diverse. The lists aren't exhaustive. I gave you in your notes the four places where the lists exist. Uh, for example, um, in 1 Corinthians, in the first list, uh, the gift of prophecy is mentioned. In the second list, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, the gift of prophecy is mentioned again. But there's a gift in the second list that isn't mentioned in the first list, the gift of administrations. How many of you knew administration was a spiritual gift from the Spirit of God? I knew because I like it. Right? Not everybody knows that. There are gifts listed. There are gifts that aren't listed. Now, you know what's not? Listed in the gifts in the New Testament, things that are in the Old Testament. The singers and musicians, the Levites, we're told were gifted to sing and to worship, right? Now, we, Javi gets up, Rachel gets up, and we go, yeah, there's gifting there. But none of those, no, there aren't any musician, uh, singer lists, uh, gifts in those lists. So what if that's, you know, what do they do? They go, I'm not gifted because mine isn't in the list. What do you think? How about art, Pam? Where's Pam? Is art a spiritual gift? In the Old Testament, there are four verses in your notes that refer to gifted artisans that say specifically they were gifted by the Spirit of God to artistically create the things for the temple. Wow, just, you know, uh, making jewelry can be a spiritual gift? Apparently. You guys get what I'm going after here? It is exceedingly broad. There are, there are activities, there are ministries, there are functions, there are gifts. They're not all listed. So I really don't want you, uh, these are great. Uh, we should be aware of the gifts that are listed in the Bible, and we should be aware of how they function. But I really don't want you to limit yourself to that, guys. Uh, 
I guarantee God has put gifting in you. You got to find it. And it may or may not be on this list. Here's what's really interesting to me. Uh, I have discovered there's tremendous diversity within each individual gift. I will note, in, if you read through 1 Corinthians 12, it doesn't say the gift of healing. What does it say? It says gifts of healing, plural. Huh, what's that mean? Well, I was reading in a book, and uh, it was talking about a team, a ministry team. I think they were in Brazil. And they, uh, uh, it was talking about how it was one guy who, man, he really had it going on with backs. And so they started, they started shifting people around. People would come to the line, and, and uh, he'd go, uh, you know, this guy's got a bad back. Oh, we need to get Billy Bob. Billy Bob here, he's got a thing for back. When he prays for backs, they get healed. Uh, he's no good with this other stuff, but backs, he's on. And this lady over here, and the kidney thing, she's had like eight people get healed of the kidney thing. And I started going, huh, I wonder if that's what God means by gifts of healing. Maybe we're that diverse. Maybe God's that interested in being specific and diverse with us. Could happen, right? You know where else I discovered this? When we first started doing a prophetic team uh, at Church on the Rock, a long time ago, I was heading it up, um, administrating it really. And uh, we... Uh, we were training them how to do the prophetic because we want to do the prophetic right because there's a reason the Bible says don't despise prophecy, and it's us. So uh, let the reader understand. Uh, so we were trying to learn how to do it right. You know what I discovered? We had at, at the beginning, we had, I don't know, about 15 people in that group. And just within the little gift of prophecy, there was this wild diversity. There was people that got dreams. There were people that got uh, pictures, and they, and they wouldn't get anything else. They'd just get pictures. And this person just got dreams, wouldn't get anything else. And this person would get future stuff and nothing else. And this person would get gifting stuff and nothing else. And I started going, wow, God's really, uh, we really got to learn about this gifting thing and this diversity thing, because it's not as simple as here's a gift test, here I go, bing, bang, boom, right? Maybe uh, this is why we haven't excelled in our gifts like we could because we haven't realized that they're so individual and we have to lean into them with the Holy Spirit and learn how he's working with us and how he's speaking to us. I even have a hard time teaching people how to hear God because I find he speaks to people in so many different ways that, uh, I, you know, I, I got to first learn how they kind of hear God so I can tell them how to manage that, right? And so I want you to see that you have spiritual gifting, that the Holy Spirit has decided what you have, but you have to work with him because it's very diverse. And only he can tell you uh, how he has gifted you. Amen? So I want to get you on the journey. Uh, not now, but maybe at the end. All right? So hold on to that. All right. Because I want to keep going so we can get back to, because we want to actually see if we can do some of this. How would you like to do stuff in church and not just hear about stuff? There you go. All right. So, very diverse. Lots of gifts. Um, I want to give you, before I encourage you about gifts, I want to give you some caution because Romans 12 does. We're going to skip to the Romans 12 passages. And these are the three verses right before the list in Romans 12. In 3 through 5, he says, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, understand, that's in general a good idea 
don't think you're all that because Jesus is more impressive than you are. It's just a given. But uh, understand he's saying this in the context of spiritual gifts specifically. So as you're exercising your spiritual gifts, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we are many, uh, are, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So two things in there. One, uh, it's just your function. Don't get cocky about it. And two, uh, we're members of one another. It's a team effort. It's a team effort. Teams don't compete with each other. All right? So don't, first thing here, uh, don't exalt your gift. We have to learn this. Before I encourage you to go crazy on spiritual gifting, I want to just give you the warnings. Here's the warnings. Uh, don't exalt your gift. That will not end well. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, I love this. Paul says, who makes you to differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did indeed receive it, why do you glory as if you had not received it? All that saying uh, it's Paul's fancy way of saying, everything you have, God gave you, so stop it. It's really not you, right? Why would you glory? Uh, it's his glory. And we all know that, but it's easy to exalt our gifting or exalt one gifting over another. And so uh, we need to remember that our gifts were given to us, again, for the church, not for you. Your gifts aren't for you. Your gifts are for the people around you. We're to serve with our gifts. Let me put it this way. The church is not here to be a showcase for your gifting. You are here, your gifts are here to serve the church. You get it? Because we have people sometimes who they, they come to church, and, and again, we want everybody to use their gifting, but they're like, I need a place for my gifting. I'm like, no, no, no. Your giftings will make a place for themselves. You just be a part of the church. That's the way it works. Amen? So we don't exalt our giftings, and our giftings are not our identity. We've got to get this, guys. We can't get our identity in our gifting. Our giftings are not our identity. Now, I have no problem. There are apostles. There are prophets. I have no problem with using that title and honoring people who are genuinely apostles and prophets. But I do have a problem with someone who's just got to have that on their business card, uh, and, and that's their identity. I go, that's dangerous. It is dangerous. You want to put someone on your business card? Put Tony Hawk, son of God. How's that? That's impressive right there. Small print function administrator teacher. Stuff I do. But here's who I am. Son of God. Don't go getting your identity and your gift. Don't exalt your gift. That's not you. That's just what you do. Right? It's not for you. It's for the church. And then finally, uh, I want to say this. These are just things that, ways I think that we think of ourselves more highly. Ought. Don't compete. All right? Uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 said, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, are not wise. So, am I tall? Uh, well, it depends on if I put 
Robert Votava up here? Maybe not. I put Sandy up here? Yes. <laughs> That's comparing ourselves among ourselves. So is my gifting impressive? Well, it depends on who I put it next to me. But that's a, that's a no-win game, guys. Right? right? Yeah. So we don't compare. We don't go, oh, I wish I had their gifting. I wish I had their function. Well, theirs looks more cool. Right? Trust me, you talk to them. They'll tell you the uncool parts of it, too. <laughs> grass always looks greener on the other side. It isn't always greener. It's still grass. Right? So we don't compare. All right. Those are the cautions. Um, I wanted to get those out of the way before I encourage you to really, 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 really go for it with your gifting, all right? I just would like you to have those cautions first. Now, Paul ends 1 Corinthians 12, 31 with this statement, but eagerly desire the best gifts. That could literally be translated lust after. I mean, it means really strongly desire strongly desire his gifts. He says it again, same Greek word, in 1 Corinthians 14. And again, remember, it's not for you. They're to build up the church. So Paul's saying, all this to say, really desire the best gifts. Why? So that you can help the church. So you can build up the church. I really desire that you would really desire gifts. So the church on the rock will be better. Right? Not because, I don't have to do anything different. I just have to encourage you to do your gift. And church on the rock will get better. Amen? You understand? And so we got to get this. Um, now, uh, there are three things I want to talk about that, that, uh, that, can, that are in the Scripture that Paul talks about uh, that can keep us, I think, from fully manifesting our gifting uh, in the Spirit of God. All right? Uh, one is, and he talks about it right from the get-go in chapter 12, ignorance. Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. So if you're ignorant concerning spiritual gifts, get a book. Uh, you know, read the Bible. Read those passages. Don't be ignorant. That's what Paul's saying. Learn about this. And if, as you start to hone in on your gift, uh, you know, learn it. If, if, you have, if you think God is using you in gifts of healing... You gotta start reading some books about guys who moved in healing. Learn some stuff. Don't be ignorant, right? So part of this is just getting vision, just learning about our gifting. The other, in 1 Timothy 4, um, Paul told Timothy, don't neglect the gift that is in you. You know what that means? It means we can neglect the gift that is in us. If Timothy can do it, you can do it, and I can do it, and I've done it. You just kind of quit paying attention to it. You kind of develop that attitude of, well, if God wants to, he will. And you end up going, wow, I haven't done that in a long time. Right? Anybody done that? Just me? Because you can neglect it. And so Paul's saying, hey, don't neglect this. This has to be of value. You have to maintain that eagerly desiring spiritual gifts thing. You have to maintain the desire to come to church and be a part of the body and to uh, again, be uh, uh, the gift from God for the person next to you, all right? Isn't that awesome? Should we put that on a shirt? You think that might get taken wrong? The third thing is we can't be passive about it. Second Timothy 1, 6, Paul said, uh, again, stir up the gifting of God that is in you. You know why you have to stir up the gifts that are in you? It's because they don't come fully mature. 
I have identified several gifts that I have received from God. None of them came fully mature. Several of them I exercised poorly, uh, even foolishly in the beginning, and, uh, and made myself look stupid. Just saying. It was still a gift from God. It was still felt very natural. It was there. God was doing it. But Tony had to learn some stuff. I had to stir up the gift that was in me. Right? I had to lean into it. I had to practice uh, all those things. And so hopefully I am better with some of those now than I used to be and will even be better uh, when I you know, get to be Gary's age. Right? <laughs> See how much better he's getting every year with his gifting? Even retired, he's still getting better at his gifting. So we got to stir up or practice our gifting because we don't come fully mature. By the way, one of the ways I stir up my gifting, super easy, I pray in the Spirit a lot. Because the Spirit says, uh, Jude says it builds us up on our most holy faith. Right? I pray in the Spirit a lot. It stirs up my gifting. When I want to stir up my gifting, uh, when someone's in front of me and I'm praying for them, I'm going, my golly, I need some of my spiritual gifting to happen right now. I need to stir that up. I start praying in the Spirit. It's amazing how praying in the Spirit will activate the Spirit of God to do gifts in us. Amen? And so I do that. And isn't it a good thing that Church on the Rock is a safe place for you to practice your gifting? This is a safe place for you to practice your gifting. In fact, we love you so much, we'll even tell you, hey, you remember how Tony said he looked stupid at sometimes when he first started his gifting? Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that for you. It's okay. You can even make mistakes. And we'll help you. Uh, please listen. <laughs> this is a safe place to learn about your gifting because we want this to be a place where every believer is doing his part. We want to know what all your giftings are. We want to see them happening. And again, they aren't all flamboyant. Some are very subtle. Uh, there's a wide variety, right? Musical gifting, the gifts of mercy, and gifts of helps, and gifts of prophecy and gifts of healing. Some of them are visible, some of them are subtle. We want to see them all. Okay, now I want to end with this thought because I have identified what I believe is, uh, uh, you know, the Bible says of the devil that we're not ignorant of his devices. And so I've identified something I believe the devil is doing in the world at this age that we need to resist, and it's this. We must believe that we are powerful. All of us may have a different path to discovering our giftings and our callings, but all of our paths to that begin with us simply believing that we are powerful, that we have received a spirit of power from God. We have to believe that we are powerful. Check this out. And, and I just want to throw this in also. Not just individually, especially corporately. We are way more powerful corporately if we will come together and, uh, and let our gifts uh, build one another up. Way more powerful uh, corporately. Nothing we can't handle, I think, as we come together as a church. And so we have to believe that we're powerful. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul 
uh, is writing to Corinth, obviously, and he's, he says, hey, there's a couple guys there that are kind of cocky, they're kind of puffed up. He goes, I'm going to come, I'm going to talk. He goes, when I get there, he goes, I'm really not interested in what they have to say. He goes, I want to see the power in their lives. Because, verse 20, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. If we're going to demonstrate the kingdom of God, we have to manifest the spirit of power. We have to. All of us have to. In some way. I know that's challenging, but that's Bible. If we're going to manifest the kingdom of God in the earth, we all have to manifest the power of God in some way. People need to see it. Paul says, I don't really care what you have to say. I want to see if there's any power in your life. Right? Contrast that with Paul's letter to Timothy in, uh, where is it? I wrote in the note, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3. He's talking about the end times. He says, in the last days, men will be proud, boasters, uh, lover of themselves more than lovers of God, unholy. Uh, disobedient to parents. He has this whole list of stuff that we know is bad stuff about men in the last days, right? And he ends the list in verse 5 saying, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Now, I, can't, I don't know every way that looks, but I can tell you one way that looks. That's a church in the last days that goes, yes, we believe in Jesus. Yes, we have a Bible. But our problems are exactly the same as the world's. Our solutions to those problems are exactly the same as the world's. There's no real power here for a changed life. We just, have, we just think we're going to heaven because we believe in Jesus. Anybody see any evidence of that church? Again, I don't want to be dissing the church or any church. I'm just saying, let's not be that church. Amen? That has a form of godliness, but denies the power. We can't deny the power. We have to manifest the power. You can manifest the power of God. I can. We can do this. Because Jesus says we can, and he wants us to. And that's why he put the Spirit of God in us. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, here's where I am concerned about uh, what Satan is doing. Because the last thing Satan wants you to do is believe that you are powerful. That will cause him a lot of trouble. He doesn't want a bunch of people believing they're powerful, especially by the Spirit of God. And so here's what he's done. Um, there is an allure for having a victim mentality in the earth, in the world right now. It's very alluring. A victim mentality. It's not your fault someone did this to you. Have you noticed in the world that um, it's, it's like everything is trying to make everyone a victim? Here's, here's why you're a victim. Here's why you're a victim. Here's why you're a victim. And I get it. It's very alluring. You know what I love about being a victim? I'm, I'm not joking. I love when I can just be a victim because it takes away, it's an excuse to not have to overcome. I don't have to overcome. It's not my fault. I'm a victim. They did it to me. Right? You hearing what I'm saying? You seeing this in the earth? We can't believe that we have a spirit of power while we have a victim mentality. They don't go together. 
so we got to see, this is an attack of the enemy in the earth to saddle all of us with a victim mentality so we won't feel powerful. We are powerful. Jesus' people are powerful. We have to resist the lure of a victim mentality, the excuse to not have to overcome. I see this in Romans chapter 8. It's very interesting. In Romans chapter 8, verse 36, Paul says, We are sheep, we are as sheep for the slaughter. You understand what that means? They just get to kill us when they want to. Uh, now that, I can't think of a more victim statement than that. And, and no one's putting that on their business card, Tony Houck, sheep for slaughter. <laughs> right? It's biblical. That is a victim statement right there. And Paul made it. It's real. We are a sheep for the slaughter. But the very next statement is, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You get what Paul's saying? Paul's going, I don't care. Shipwrecked, beaten, ridiculed, spoken bad of. Uh, everybody on Facebook uh, is taking me out of context. You know, Paul doesn't care. Paul's saying, I'll accept being a victim. I'm a sheep for a slaughter. I will not accept a victim mentality. I'm not having it. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying we're not going to be victims, that bad things aren't going to happen. Just being human means bad things are going to happen to us sometimes. I'm saying we draw the line at accepting that lesser identity of victim and going, no, I am more than a conqueror. I have been given a spirit of power. I can overcome. And incidentally, the power to overcome is tied to a revelation of the love of God. We see that in the, in the last two verses, 38 and 39. Paul says, I'm persuaded, the whole list, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present or things to come, heights, depth, any other created thing, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm more than a conqueror because I'm loved by Jesus who gave me a spirit of power and I can overcome anything, even them chopping my head off. Doesn't matter. I win no matter what because I'm in him. Right? And so that's Paul's mentality. By the way, uh, we've been talking about gifting and obviously, you know, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, do all that. We're after that. Yes, absolutely. But again, I don't want to limit us to just thinking of spiritual gifts in those terms. Overcoming, just bearing the fruit of the Spirit, is a demonstration of the power and kingdom of God. I've had people ask me about Jesus just because they watched my life for a while and went, you're different. Yeah. I'm, I, I, that's the fruit of the Spirit. You can have that. Right? Young people, think about this. You're going to get grow up, get smarter, go to college, and they're going to tell you a lot of stuff in college. Colleges are getting crazy. I'm telling you, you want to stand out? In a sea of victims, a person who is overcoming will stand out. You be an overcomer in a sea of victims, and all your friends are going to show up and want to go, what are you doing different? I got I to gotta do this and this and this just to get through the day, Right? Now, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. I know we all got stuff, and you might be working on overcoming right now, and you might not be there yet. I get it. I'm saying we start with believing that we are powerful. 
that we have been given the spirit of power that we can overcome, but I'm not going to settle for being a victim. And we move on from there. Amen? So let's finish with this. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I thought about doing the whole prayer, but I, I think we might do that later. I'm just going to do this part. And we can go ahead and bring the band up if you want to come up and we'll head that way. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul is praying a prayer, one of my favorite prayers, and he says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Let's just stop. Who's up for that? How many of you have prayed that? God, do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's good. I'm with the right crowd. Let's keep praying that. According to the power that works at Church on the Rock. So that's why I have the worship team up. You got to come here for that, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I read it wrong? According to the power that works at that really good conference that I'm going to at the end of the month, it's got all the speakers that, you know, the names that I know. Is that what it says? According to the power that works in God, whatever he wants, we just show up and kind of hope, you know, he'll decide to do it today. Is that how it works? Oh, it says, according to the power that works in us. Did you catch that? How do we miss this? Right? As near as I can tell, the only limit I can see in Scripture to the power of God is that he has to funnel it through us. Yeah. We're it. We're the governor. (laughs) Right? And again, it's not us, you, and you, and you, and we're all individually going... Oh, I gotta get the power of God going, or Tony's gonna, you know, be mad. It's us. It's corporate. It's all of our gifts together becoming more than the sum of the parts, right? The power of God at work in us. Do you believe that you've been given a spirit of power? Do you believe that? Can you say and believe it? God do exceedingly abundantly above all that people can ask or desire according to the power at work in me. Can you do that? And believe it? Can you say it? If we just start saying it, uh, maybe we'll get somewhere. But we got to start by believing. Are you with me? All right. Have you been given a spirit of power? He's in there. All right. Let's stand. I want to uh, go back into worship. And uh, I kept trying to get some direction from God, but I feel like uh, I just have to turn loose and see what God wants to do. Because I'm in a room full of people who have the spirit of God in them, the spirit of power. Yes. So anything could happen. Yes. Right? Right? Yes. Anything could happen, Javi. <laughs> Lord, you said... You have given us a spirit of power. And Paul said that we need to stir up the giftings that are in us. Lord, you know we need your help. You know uh, that it's it's all you and just a little bit us. But Lord, we want to cooperate with you. Help us this morning. Lord, we want to stir your giftings and your callings. People this morning aren't baptized in your Holy Spirit. Baptize them in your Holy Spirit. 
fill them with your spirit. Lord, people who don't know their gifting and calling in you, lead them, Lord. Lead them toward it. Lord, people here who, who need to stir it up or, uh, Lord, have neglected, stir it. Lord, we are just praying, not just Church on the Rock, we're praying for your church in Brevard County, for your church in the earth. Lord, that it will edify itself in love by each one doing its part. We will be a church full of people who are overcoming, who are manifesting the power of the Spirit of God in our lives.